Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live.
where they take uh, the uh, the John, I, I don't even know how to respond to that. Everything they're doing is altering.
they have all the these drugs. monster um, vaccine news daily.com uh, a website where you can sign up and information to cause vaccine. There's numerous things can, that can compromise the health, more subtle than others. Perspective is really key. One important fact to remember. of the future in general. Other more common fears will preoccupy you, rob you not only of opportunities,
all rooted in fear. fear that is really beneficial we're told of is the fear of the Lord in Proverbs 9. So this Let's talk about some other things that we do that undermine our health, uh, disrupt our natural functions of the body, and corrupt our well-being. like we've had. All stems with the hope with stress, 
The liver is affected, the kidney. first segment of the show, Dr. one. Organ cleansing basically is a different matter. So the ancients modern medicine While you have the opportunity,
burden off your filtering organs. All clean, lift the burden off so that it can deal with stress. One bowel cleanse. They just do a bowel cleanse and they healthy
point is, first off, I'm broadcast. My name's. That's not your name.
to that. Add that up, add that thing stuff. Maybe foolish, but anyway, what are we talking about tonight? Before we do get into it, let's talk to you. Um, you know, uh, I, I would.
Probably yeah. right, yeah. when you leave it there. But yeah, I'm not in the territory.
not exactly true. got to understand it. Oh, I'm going to do what he did. going to get hit harder than you ever thought If they are, it is presumed
all know your boundaries. <laughs> You're in the territory. They can't.
Sometime during the show tonight, I'll get it. The part where they describe some. They open about it.
operating in France. This is where you violated the French law. Wait a minute. My life. Exactly. You know, I mean. That's exactly what we're talking about when they tell you it's the law. Where is it the law? That's the other part. You know, who does it apply to? You know, it doesn't bother me if a person... at all times if I can get that I don't care I think it's by my creating government's obligated The Rockefellers and stuff, they...
let them know if you cross them. Right, I'll tell you. <laughs> you killed, you know. It's very simple. <laughs> you know. I'm going to trust you, and if you turn up your gun. and opinions. Rules, all contracts. You got to break the contract. You got to have a contract. You know. Government has to give me.
farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Gentlemen, I'm Alfred Adams. To begin with Frank Steffen here on the American Indian. They are almost on one level. Trusts are almost the same. It's like dealing with atoms. Got an electron. Problem is, you can start to add protons. It's not just one proton and one neutron and one electron. You can start complicating these things where you have trusts within trusts. The whole thing, and you can sometimes act in the capacity of a fiduciary and sometimes act in the capacity of a beneficiary. One in relationship to one trust and another one in relationship to another trust at the same time. The whole thing can be confusing and seemingly complex, but there are fundamental, you've got the three fundamental parts. Out of the grantor, you could say four fundamental parts. The guy that establishes the trust. There is a fiduciary, a beneficiary, and a res for the trust. The res is the property of the trust. Sound too complex so far. But, it is because it involves title. Title to property. I have seen one of the observations, one of the things I've spotted years ago, made an enormous impact and continues to do so. I saw 
maxim of law. But it was a principle stated in a way that just said, look, this is solid. This is cornerstone. All rights flow from title. Buy a new car. Did you buy the new car or did you buy the title to the new car? Truth is, you didn't buy the car, in my opinion. Didn't buy the car. Didn't buy the metal and the rubber and the plastic and the windscreen and the rest of that sort of thing. The engine. What was the title to the car? Your right to drive that car flows from the title to that car. If you own the title of the car, yeah, you get to drive it. If you don't own the title, I don't own the title of your car, I can't drive your car without your permission. The reason is you hold title to your car and I don't, if you do, if you still have title. But what most people do, of course, they buy a new car, they get pay, they pay an extra $100, whatever, for tax, title, and license on the car. They extra. They pay, here's what you pay for the car. They pay $25,000 for the new car. You're going to pay additional plus tax, title, and license. Okay, you're going to pay the tax on the car. You're going to pay for the license to drive, to post, to hang on the back end of that vehicle. And you're going to pay for something to do with title. Very few people understand that's what you bought. That's what you bought was that piece of paper. It gave you title. It gave you the right. Your right to drive that car flows from the title. What is the title? Manufacturer's Statement of Origin. What did you do with it? Why, you sent it down to the state. You bought the car and you paid extra and said, look, we're going to pay. I'm going to pay the state or the Department of Transportation. I'm going to pay you guys 50 or 100 bucks or whatever it is. Will you please take the title of this vehicle for me? Well, all right. I, we don't want to, but we will. gave away your title to your vehicle. They send you a certificate of title. Certificate is not the title. It's merely a piece of paper that certifies that a title, there is a title someplace. That's not it. Up with an inequitable title to drive the vehicle. No title. This is where things begin to get complex and confusing. We talk about having title to property. Typically, say, I got the title. Market title, which includes both the legal and equitable titles, the two of them together, or you only have the legal title, or you only have the equitable title. Three possibilities there. And again, not one not one American in a thousand who understands what I'm trying to describe here. There are three potential titles. One is perfect title, and there are other, there's other terms for it perhaps, but one is perfect title, and that's where you have legal and equitable titles, both of them. You're holding both of them, then you say if you've got them both, you have perfect title. You have legal title. For the fiduciary to the property. What if you have equitable title? You have the beneficial interest. You have the right to use the property, but you don't own it. If you don't own legal title to property, you don't have standing at law. 
purpose of law is to determine legal rights. The maxim I've seen in the past that I hang my hat on to some degree is that all rights flow from title. It follows from my perspective that if you have legal title, you have standing to appear in a court of law. A court of law is only about legal rights. Legal rights flow from legal title. If you only have equitable title, you only have standing. You only have standing to go into a uh, uh, court of equity. All of this involves trusts because what trusts do are divide perfect title into the legal and equitable title components. Equitable title to beneficiaries give legal title to the trustee. In many instances, there's a lot of advantages to that. Frank was talking at the beginning of the program. Super wealthy people use these trusts to divide title. It was one of the reasons when Teddy Kennedy, bridge at Chappaquiddick, where Joe Kopechny was killed in that wreck. Off the bridge, went off the whatever, he went off something, a pier, whatever, drove off into the water. She died. She drowned. Kennedy disappeared for a couple of hours. There are reports that what he did was face back and find the lawyers because he just bought the car recently. He put it into the family trust for their house. Because he's done that, because the trust was implicated in Kopechny's death, the Kopechny family could have sued for all the property that was in that trust, including their house, Kennedy Compound on Cape whatever it was. I don't remember where it was. He ran back to see the lawyers. They extracted the car out of the family residence trust, and they created a new, uh, a new trust for the car. The water and sunk, and there was a dead body in it. They created a new trust for the car, and... Now, if Kopechny's wanted to sue, the was the car. They could sue and get the car that their daughter drowned in, but that's all they could get. They couldn't get at the house. That adjustment. What I'm trying to make, at least in part, is that if you set up one of these trusts, you are the beneficiary of the trust and you run your car off the bridge and somebody gets killed, you're going to have a very difficult time trying to extract any money out of you. Trust is properly set up. It may be that the only thing they can get if you have a diff- one trust for your first car, one trust for your second car, a third one for your pickup truck, another one for your airplane, another one for the house. Different trust for each one of these things. they can sue for. As a beneficiary, you don't stand to lose much. The fiduciaries don't stand to lose anything. Um, it's it's kind of like a corporation in that regard. It gives you limited liability. Because most of the corporations, I doubt that you can establish a corporation that's not statutory in nature. 
I doubt you can get one established in Delaware, for example, or whatever, but the corporations are always, they are set up, the charter, I think, is, is available to the public. Um, the corporation is statutory, which means the government can peer into it, essentially. They can take a look at it, at least figure out what's going on. But when you set up a trust, it's possible to set up your own private trust. It goes, it is a confidential relationship. Government can ask you, say, well, we want to know what's going on in your trust. We want to see the trust indentures. You can say, sorry, that's confidential. That slides. They can't force you to reveal the details of the trust, or at least they can't force you to do it very easily. I won't say that anything is impossible, but it is improbable that they can crack into your trust. It's entirely possible to set up a trust that the government doesn't even know about. To set up a trust with a declaration of trust that you deposited into the public record. They say, yeah, there is a trust, but you still don't know what's going on. There's a trust named, uh, you know, the American Voice Radio Trust. But what's in it? Hmm? Don't know. Can't say. Now, Confidential. Now, we hear a lot about trust. Well, I presume it's because they're not. Here's one of the problems. This is a big problem, and this is a subtle I don't know what's happening in the case. You're saying the trusts are broken, and what you mean by that, you don't mean that the fiduciary has betrayed the trust to the beneficiary. No. You mean that the government has broken into the trust. That's right. Uh, Maybe there's not really a trust. Because the presumption is that the grantor has perfect title to whatever the property is that he puts into the trust. That means he has both legal and equitable title to an automobile, a piece of land, or a stack of gold coins. Does he actually own the equitable title to the property that he's putting into the trust? He may think so. That's not clear unless he's paid for that property with lawful money. He's going to purchase something with Federal Reserve notes. Who owns the Federal Reserve notes? Federal Reserve. Sure. You don't own the green pieces of paper. You have equitable title. You get the benefit of using those little green pieces of paper in your wallet. But they are only, you get equitable title. You have a right to use that that green piece of paper to make to purchase things. You know, but you don't get legal title because you don't have legal title. Legal title remains back with the Federal Reserve, which loaned those notes into circulation. If I loan you a pen and you use the pen to write and write and write and write the next the great American novel, who owns the pen? Everybody watches and says, wow, that's Frank's pen. No, it's not. Al's pen. Al only loaned it. Al has legal title. We have set up a trust relationship. You have the benefit of using my pen. You have equitable right, and if you only have right in equity, guess where you're going if push comes to shove and you decide to go to court? The court will hear your petition in equity rather than at law. All rights flow from title. If you've only got equitable title, and it'll be presumed that you do, I believe, if they can prove that you paid for your for the property that's in the trust, you paid for it with Federal Reserve notes, you don't have legal title. All you've got is an equitable title to the property. And that means the case will be decided in a court of equity. And what's wrong with that? What's wrong? equity is that the judge is not bound to obey the law. 
the judge can do anything he wants in equity. Anything his conscience motivates him to do is presumed to be within his discretion. If you have legal title, you go into a court of law, and everybody's bound by the law, including the judge. If you have equitable title, the judge can do whatever he thinks is right. If he doesn't like the color of your eyes, your politics, or the fact that you're running a radio station, he can say, I'm going to shut this guy down. Get away with it in equity. Can't get away with it in law. You know, it depends on what title are you holding. And this goes, are you holding legal, holding equitable, holding both of them, and therefore perfect? You know, it's... So right on the card, huh? it says if we. Yeah, I know. it's not sure. And it's the yeah. same thing with the money. Uh, you know, and it, it and it has bearing on anything other than if you're successful. But the thing is, if they say, "Well, uh, I see here," Good theory. Good theory. But let's take a break here at the top of the hour. We will be back in a couple of moments, and I, when we come back, I will address Frank. Stay tuned. We'll be back on the American Independence.
Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is mineral. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. Organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe, all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Use a discount gold and silver trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Access for their people during civil strife. The FCCC wind frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system. Light system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. I'm Alfred Adeski with Frank Stefan on the American Independence Hour, and we're talking about trusts and how complex they are. They, they seem fundamentally s- uh, simple. There's only a couple people involved.
debtor owns that, and it is presumed that he has both legal and equitable title to that property. He deposits it into the trust. <clears throat> then he says, Frank, I'm going to appoint you to be fiduciary for the trust. If you get a voluntarily, you don't have to take the job unless you unless it's a voluntary position. But if you assume the position of fiduciary for the trust, then that stack of gold coins that I have in the trust, I want you to protect them and manage them for the for the uh, for the benefit of my grandson. He will be the beneficiary. You have to take care of those coins, protect them. If anybody tries to get them, you defend them, um, whatever. But they are there for the grandson. But here's the problem. Frank was talking about how you set these trusts up, and they have sometimes been broken. Trust presumes that the grantor has both legal and equitable title. He has to have both because he gives legal title to the fiduciary and he gives equitable title to the beneficiary. He's got to have perfect title to the gold coins or the car or the land or whatever that he puts into the trust. What if he doesn't have what if he doesn't have perfect title? These days that's very difficult, in my opinion, to acquire or find. Right? If you have purchased your gold coins with Federal Reserve notes, or the Federal Reserve notes are still owned by the Federal Reserve, they have legal title to green pieces of paper because they were loaned into circulation. They weren't sold, they weren't donated, they were loaned into circulation. Everybody listening to the program has heard that before. That means because they were loaned, they are still the property of the Federal Reserve. Legal title to those green pieces of paper goes to the Federal Reserve system until somebody pays off on those notes. Okay, I, I got a question here with the gold coins because this is this is different than like a car because the car is uh, very difficult because you know most people that get it the first thing they do they start registering it with the state through titles and registration and all that and they they actually have a paper trail on most cars. But gold, on the other hand, now, if I put gold in a trust and uh, they say, oh, well, you know, you bought that with Federal Reserve. Oh, really? Did I prove that? That's exactly right. That's one of the things. You know, people come in, I, I understand what you're saying, but here's there's a couple of ways of looking at this. First off, imagine that the duly constituted authorities break into your facility and they're going to seize your computer, and you say, you can't take that computer. That's my computer. And they say, do you have title to that computer?
it's also true that the government doesn't know. This is a very, as near as I can see, this is a murky area. Kind of thing that if you bring this issue up and you are competent to argue it, government, I suspect, will be reluctant to bump heads with you. This is, I don't think really they know what's going on exactly either, and even if they do, they don't want no. to let the cat out of the bag. They will proceed administratively if you allow them to do so, and they'll take your property. But if you can properly raise the issue and say, wait a second, you can, if you can argue successfully that I own, I swear I own legal title that computer, now they're going to have to put somebody on the stand and say, no, you don't. We can prove it here with the receipt. Now we have a record that we show the American people that, <laughs> you yeah. think you own your car? Uh-uh. Think yeah. you own your house? Uh-uh. Think you own your land? Most cases, no. Who owns the land? Who can still own perfect title to the land? Frank, got any idea? Oh, I don't know where you're going. I'm going with if the land, if Grandpa bought the land prior to 1933, maybe even prior to 1948, Perhaps even prior to 1971, when the currency became pure fiat. Some of these, I don't know where the I don't know where the deadline goes, but it won't be later than 1971. If he brought prior to 71, or better yet, 48, or better yet, 1933, Grandpa had perfect title to the land. He owned he owned the land. He owned both legal title and equitable title, and that title, those two titles. They will transfer by descent. When Grandpa died and he left the property to Dad, Dad got legal and equitable title. When Dad croaks, if he leaves the land to you, you get legal and equitable title. No, no Federal Reserve notes are involved in the transfer of that property. As long as that's true, you can still make a claim on that legal, on perfect title to that land. I suspect this is a bizarre conspiracy theory, but I've suspected for a long time, and it might be completely mistaken, but I think there might be some, there's a chance there's some validity to it. I suspect that, what do I suspect, Frank? I try to explain what I'm going to suspect, <laughs> and then I forget. I suspect that my memory, you know, is no longer what it was well, 20 years about ago. Federal That's Reserve one of my suspicions, and I'm pretty sure it's right. That's one of and the rest of them you don't have to believe, but that's one that I think is right. That's a solid theory. With talking about the land, um, I think part of the reason the government has essentially waged war on the family farmer because he actually owns his land, or at least he might if he got it from Grandpa. If it went from Grandpa to Dad to, to the guy the guy who's running it today, he may he may have legal title to his land. He has standing at law, not equity. It means the judge is bound by the law. It means that the judge can't do just whatever he wants because the guy who's got the land today that was originally bought by Grandpa 50 years ago, he's still got its legal title from father to from grandfather to father to son, and legal title is still there. It's if you don't have legal title, on the other hand, and you and here's here's part of the problem with this: once anybody sells that land. Or Federal Reserve notes. Legal title now defaults, in my opinion, to the Federal Reserve system. I used to take MasterCard and Visa 
subscriptions to my magazine when I was publishing in the 1990s. Before I could do so, a woman came over to the house to see if I looked halfway credible, <laughs> and she apparently thought I was because they let me process credit cards. Um, fooled her. But while she was there representing the credit card people, told me, and I wasn't fishing for this information. This was something she told me, just voluntarily said, she said, all credit card transactions go through the Federal Reserve. Now, she was in the business. I don't know what the truth of it was, but she was not some idiot. I believed what she told me. Why do all credit cards go through the Federal Reserve? And I think the reason is because they want to know what's being purchased with their money. I think they're keeping a list. I think they're keeping a list. If you buy a new computer with a with a credit card, it goes through the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve says, uh-huh, we got, we got a legal title to this computer. Here's the serial number. That's ours. Somebody else buys a car or buys something, a flat-screen TV, the Federal Reserve says, so they keep a list. Why else would the Federal Reserve want to even know? Do you think they need to know whether or not I'm using my credit card to get a subscription to Playboy magazine? What do they care? They care because they want to know what property they have legal title to. That's my suspicion. I can't tell you it's God's truth. As strange as that suspicion may seem to a lot of people, it illustrates part of the problem and the incredible power that's available to trust relationships. Again, Federal Reserve notes. You have equitable title because you have equitable title, the right of use, but not legal title. Legal title is with the Federal Reserve. They still own that piece of paper. That means when you go to purchase something, the Federal Reserve gets legal title to whatever it is you're buying. You're only getting equitable title. So what happens if I go out and I have a piece of land, and maybe I do have perfect title to it, but I sell it to somebody for Federal Reserve notes. Whoever purchases that property, all they get is equitable title. They have the benefit. They have the beneficial interest. But the legal title goes to Federal Reserve. Now, when, that's, when that guy turns around and he sells the property to you and says, oh, yeah, I'm going to sell you perfect title, Frank. I'm, you know, we'll sign a receipt here that says, you know, paid in full, all right title and interest this property. Give me the money. Because he paid for the land, for the car, for whatever, with Federal Reserve notes, the logic of it, in my way, is God's truth. Logic is, he no longer has legal title to sell. He only purchased equitable title. He can't sell legal title. That went to Federal Reserve. Now, whether that is God's truth or not remains to be seen. I've thought about it for years, probably. Oh. And it appears plausible. You know, right? it appears plausible. And if it's true, it's part of the reason why you go to court and we have judges and they're making judge-made law and we have judicial activism. Why? It's a court of equity. Why? Because nobody's claimed legal title. All It is presumed that all that's at stake is equitable title. That goes into the court of equity. Judge can rule only a judge can rule according to his own conscience. He can listen to the law if he wants to, but he doesn't have to. He can rule any way he wants. With the uh, when you come to land, you know, then there you know, you you gotta take into account the land patent issue. 
which is that to me, okay, so you have, you know, when you buy land, you get the, uh, oh, what do they call it, some kind of title. It's like the title to your car or the certificate of title to your car. And the land patent is kind of like the uh, manufacturer's certificate of origin. Thing is, and they're not exactly the same, obviously. Correspond kind of the same because you can't get a, a new land patent issued to you anymore. And you also cannot get, because I, I had a friend here in Oregon who actually bought a brand new Dodge Diesel Cummings truck when they first came out had to go, and this is down in Medford, he went to every dealership. I guess Roseburg is probably, I don't know, 150. Yeah, he went to every dealership, every Dodge dealership from here to Roseburg before he got a dealership that would actually allow him to have the... All the others told him no. No, that, that goes straight to the state. We don't even see it. It doesn't even... That's right. Blah, 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 you know. I've heard of other people that have... I've heard... <laughs> excuse me. Tried. I know one guy who succeeded. Yeah. And get intentionally, like... And, and the question was this. The reason he succeeded was because he went to another state to buy the car. And he bought his car at a, at a dealership that was out of state. And he said, well, I'm going to take, I, you know, I was just up there. I came up on the bus or the airplane to visit Aunt Mabel or whatever. And, you know, I think I'm going to buy myself a car and drive it back home to Dallas. And uh, the guy said, well, gee, we'd be glad to sell it to you. And he says, look, I'm going to have to take the, the MSO, the Manufacturer's Statement of Origin, with me. And then I will, when I get back to Texas, then I will send it in to the uh, Texas Department of Transportation or whoever gets the MSO in Texas. And because... They were set up, and maybe bought it in Oklahoma or Nebraska. I don't remember. Nebraska's not set to send a title at that point, at least. Texas, and they're okay. We'll give you the title. You can take it with you back to your home state, and you go ahead and file paperwork when you get there. Story you were telling was something similar in the sense that, if I understood correctly, the dealership that let him have the MSO was 150 miles away. Right. Did I hear that correct? Yeah. Yeah, he tried every dealership around here. Uh, they won't do it when you're close by. Nope. They might do it if you're out of state. They might do it if you got a long. Okay, you can do it back there. But that, that would be the similarity. Well, it's you know, not easy to get, and, I'm, I, and I don't no. know if you could anymore. They may not do it now as, as automated, you know, and connected as they are now. They Nothing you do might. They might just say no. You know, we never see that. That just goes straight from the manufacturer to the to the state that they ship the car to. How could you get legal and equitable title to an automobile? Build it. Yeah, Build there it you go. Yourself. There you go. Build it yourself. Fundamental principle is that the creator owns whatever he creates, and that has perfect title. That's true. If you can figure a way, if you are sufficiently handy where you can build an automobile, go out there and get yourself a frame and start hanging wheels on, go through the necessary motions. Uh, if, if you can, and I know that there's serial numbers on the engines and one thing or another like that, it's, it's, it's a complex, it's, it's a long shot. In a sense. <laughs> yeah. But if you can create something, 
actually own legal and equitable title. For example, here's another one that is critical. <coughs> radio programs like this one. Who owns legal title to these radio programs? Well, the deal I make is that AVR owns legal title and the host owns equal legal title, meaning either might be that there's a partnership on it, but here's the point. It's intellectual property. Right. This is why the government, they keep, they're going nuts about intellectual property. <laughs> yes. Why? Why? Because if you create something, you write something, right? right? You do music, you do art, you create sculptures. You have legal and equitable title to that property by virtue of the act of creation. Now, you are a dangerous man because you hold legal title to something. They come in and try to seize all the articles that I've written. Right? Mm -hmm. Go ahead, try and take it. I'm not saying it can't be done. I know you're dealing with people with guns and the rest of that. But because I wrote those articles, I own them. I have not just equitable title. I have legal title. Oh. You seize this property that I have created, and all of a sudden you're going to find yourself, in theory, if I'm, if I'm smart enough, I can drag you into a court of law. Well, now what about? Nobody wants to go there. They want to be in the court of equity or administrative law. What? Not a court of real law. I can make the claim I own legal title of that, and that makes me a dangerous man. We've got to take a break, but when we come back, I'd like to, to you know, go a little further with that to, like, what if you build your own house? What if you do, oh, you know? I agree. Do all I that? But who paid for the land? We'll talk more in a moment. Frank and I will be back on the American Independence Hour. Please stay tuned. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. 
visit discountgoldandsilvertrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Alfred Adams, Frank Stephan, American Independence Hour, talking about trust. How confusing this is another one of these programs where you, know, you get into it and you wonder at the beginning, are we going to be able to make a coherent presentation or not? And probably not. Probably the truth is <laughs> not but, so far. Uh, but it is part of the, this trust business, such an incredibly powerful instrument. Precisely because it is so vague. They don't need full disclosure. You can create an implied trust relationship. Right? If I hand Frank a pen, this is my thing, operating on the assumption that I have legal and equitable title to the pen to begin with, I, had, I hand Frank a pen, and Frank uses the pen. We talked about this earlier. And, uh, people see Frank using the pen. Maybe it's an expensive pen. Oh, that's Frank's pen. They see him using it all the time. But in the final analysis, it's my it's my ink. We have created a trust relationship simply because I handed Frank the pen. I am saying I am trusting Frank to let you have the pen, Frank, but I'm trusting you to give it back. And it's arguable. I, Frank, again, he can write the great American novel. I might be able to make a claim on that novel because Frank used my pen and my ink. And Frank said, what are you talking about? I loaned you that pen. That's what you used to write the novel, didn't you? Well, relationship. If it's a debt, we have a trust relationship. If you merely pick up mail that's addressed to another person, it can be presumed that you are acting in a fiduciary capacity for that other person. You want to be very careful, in my opinion, about being a fiduciary. Beneficiaries get all the benefits. They have the rights that are worth mentioning. The fiduciary has control, but they also have great responsibility. If push comes to shove, the fiduciaries go to jail. that's an absolute rule. I won't say beneficiaries can never go to prison. Perhaps they could. Trust capacity. But if they find out that you're a fiduciary, you are on the hook. Right? And you can have a lot of problems. And if you are going to be tried in a fiduciary capacity, you have the rights, only the rights, that are associated with that capacity. You don't necessarily have the God-given right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Your rights are defined by the trust indenture, the trust relationship. Those are the rights that you can claim, and they might not be anything that are significant. On the other hand, your duties are going to be, as a fiduciary, you have all the duties. You're the one who's going to get charged with it. 
breach of fiduciary obligation. You're the one who might do time. How do you how do you prevent being presumed to be a fiduciary? Frank got any idea? Nope. One of the things you can do in a fix the disclaimer to your signature above your signature on documents at arm's length. Look up the term in Black's Law Dictionary. What it means when you are acting at arm's length with the representing anyone else. It's a little bit like some people you were talking about inappropriate persona earlier in the program. This is much the same idea. So I'm not representing anybody. I'm acting at arm's length. I'm giving you notice with this disclaimer above my signature on all my documents. Every time I sign my name, at arm's length, at arm's length, at arm's length. Giving notice to people involved that I am not assuming a fiduciary obligation. Then no, there's no trust relationship here. If you want to deal with me, you're going to have to. You can't take me to court of equity. I'm not in a trust relationship. If you have a complaint with me, it'll go under contract. It'll go at law. Right? Do you have a contract with me? You don't have a trust. I'm at arm's length. I have no trust relationship. So if you can, I've got a, 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 here's a series of cases, 13 of them, that I dug up on crime law back in uh, September of I was doing this fishing, but I was looking for the term distance of a trust. Listening to that phrase, I find law of the Supreme Court cases that they had there. They produced 13 cases. Earliest was 1894. And it says, uh, they, they pull an excerpt up, and they give you a couple hundred words here. But they, the words that surround the phrase, existence of a trust, and they say express or direct, or this is, or it is clearly established that the trustee, as early as December 1867, denied and repudiated, as the plaintiff knew, the existence of any trust in relation to such construction bonds as the plaintiff did not surrender them. The existence of a trust relationship is a critical point, particularly if the government is presuming that you're acting in an implied trust relationship. Why? Just by conduct. You use Federal Reserve notes, didn't you? Well, then you are, uh, you know, you have a beneficial interest in whatever was purchased, but you don't have legal, you don't have legal title. They're going to presume the existence of a fiduciary relationship. Presume the existence of a trust relationship. And as soon as that happens, you're going to a court of equity where the judge rules according to his alleged conscience rather than law. He is not bound by the law. And that's why you get all these bizarre decisions out of the court, in my opinion. They're not bound by law. They're ruling in equity because the underlying presumption is that you appeared in the capacity of a fiduciary. I believe, I am, I am convinced, for example, of child support a fiduciary relationship. As parent or father of a child, it is presumed that you have a fiduciary relationship. Not the same thing as being a father. Not the same thing as being, you know, a, a parent in the in the biblical sense. 
you are a fiduciary acting on behalf of that child. And you better do it. Otherwise, they'll throw your butt in a slammer. Because you are presumed to be a fiduciary, and you can see some poor guy walking into a, into a court. The judge presumes the existence of a fiduciary relationship between the father and the child. And the judge starts slapping the father around, essentially, and the father says he doesn't even understand what's going on, and no one has to tell him that they are operating on the presumption that he's a fiduciary. No one has to tell them that they are operating on the fundamental premise that there is a trust relationship, a fiduciary relationship between the father and the son. But that's where they're going with this, in my opinion. And that based on that fiduciary, they're going to, based on that presumed, unstated fiduciary relationship, they're going to find this guy guilty and maybe throw him in the slammer. And he's not going to be able to defend against this because he doesn't even understand he's in a court of equity. He doesn't understand that the operating theory is that there was a trust relationship between himself and the child or perhaps between himself and his ex-wife. He doesn't even know how to defend himself. And why don't they have to tell him about whatever law is involved in this case? Right? Got any ideas? Well, I would assume uh, because it's a trust relationship. It Exactly. It's confidential. That the only people who can actually reveal any information about the trust relationship are the parties to the trust. They can do so voluntarily. But you're being tried under the presumption the average defendant. I think most of what passed what happens what takes place in court these days, I think it's I think it's probably trust relationships. I can't prove it, could be wrong. Well, but if you, if the average know, man, you don't even know what's going on. Well, what is what's happening here? That the world is mad. I tried to explain to him that, hey, listen, here's here's the law, and I'm a decent man. So they don't have to listen. Judge just throw his butt in the slammer, and he can do it because you're in equity. Well, the evidence that they present in their own their list all these presumptions, and then tell you that there's other presumptions that are not listed. Yep. Well, that indicates that there must be some sort of trust relationship, right? It does in some instances. Yeah. And it's up to the judge to find or not find if a trust relationship exists. For example, you get dragged into court under certain circumstances, and the plaintiff is presumed, if you're going into a court of equity, the plaintiff is presumed to be acting on the theory that there's a trust relationship, the plaintiff is the beneficiary, and the defendant is the fiduciary. None of this is stated. The judge can find this relationship if he cares to. He can look at the plaintiff and say, oh, the plaintiff is plaintive. They're complaining. They're, sorry. They're sad. They're crying. And the judge, his conscience says, there must, be, there must be a fiduciary relationship between this poor, sad plaintiff and the defendant. The judge will presume on that. He doesn't say that out loud. He says it in his mind. He says, oh, yeah, I think, I think there's a fiduciary relationship. And he can find the defendant. The defendant thinks the world has gone mad. Nothing seems to work. The law is ignored. He's wondering what's going on. It's because he's in the court of equity. He's in a presumptive and implied. It's implied that he's acting as fiduciary on behalf of plaintiff. No, and that's what reaches. Go ahead. It's one of the reasons why it's so important, and we've hammered this. ever end up in court you need to you yes. need to rebut mm -hmm. all the presumptions and, and you need to do it because and, and if you don't believe they're there just go check your own statutes they're listed in the uh, court rules they show you they got 
tell you, well, this ain't all. But, you know, we don't have them all listed. This, these are the ones that, you know, we want you, you know, if you care to look, that we want you to know about. But there's others. And they leave it at that. You got to, you know, anything you don't want them to presume about you, you, be, you better rebut it. But here's the thing. If you're not aware of trust relationships, it would be like going into court and and saying, I rebut the presumption that I'm that I'm a space alien and a, a, an extraterrestrial from Mars. Now, you laugh, okay? You uh, laugh about that, but... Uh-huh, you uh, tried that? No, no, but hey, how much more ridiculous is it to go in and say, now, you today, I rebut that I am an animal, <laughs> and, you know... I mean, I claim that I'm a man. You're right. I claim I'm a man. I rebut that I'm an animal and all that stuff. And you do that, and people go, what is he, crazy? You might as well say aliens because, you know, it all seems crazy. But uh, I don't put anything past them. Well, but I'm just saying the average person would think that would clearly think, well, that's crazy. I don't need to rebut that. Nobody thinks I'm an animal. <laughs> Nobody thinks, in fact, yeah, they do. <laughs> Nobody thinks I'm a space alien, whatever. They yeah. don't think that. Who but knows? Yeah. Applied trust relationships, people just can think that you are a fiduciary, even if you've never heard the word fiduciary before. And because of this relationship, this fiduciary relationship with an implied fiduciary relationship with the plaintiff, plaintiff is the beneficiary and says, oh, the fiduciary didn't protect my property, didn't give me what I'm entitled to. The judge is going to put you in jail unless you expressly deny the existence of the trust relationship on which the plaintiff has built their case. Right. Now, right. In, a, in a trust, isn't it, what I remember of, of said something, arm's length yeah, a relationship. Arm. Now, when you are a, from what I understand, you're supposed to be at an arm's length relationship, meaning, like, trust that get broken is if somebody's vice versa, that doesn't work. Because, you know, they say, oh, no. No, 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 no. You know, this is like doing your own thing. And no. Allow that. From what I understand, anyway. That My understanding is the term at arm's length is you are not acting in a fiduciary You are either there on your own. This is a man-made in God's image, essentially, that would be my argument. There is no relationship and if you want to come after me, you're going to have to find the law that makes me liable. Not an implied trust relationship, not even an express trust relationship, unless somebody can prove its existence. I have denied the existence of a trust relationship, and once I do that, somebody's going to have to prove it. Say, oh, yeah, there's a trust relationship. You go ahead and ask the plaintiff in the case. Then you say, well, uh, Ms. Smith or Mr. Jones or whoever, then you believe you have a fiduciary relationship with Mr. Adams. Is that correct? Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's exactly right. What? At that point in time, then we begin to see, hear the cows come home. Like, Understand? They don't even, they don't have a clue. There can't be a trust. It, one can be implied. Or the judge can say he finds an implied trust relationship. But once I deny it, it's evidence I did not voluntarily enter into the trust relationship as fiduciary. If I didn't, they have no gripe. you got to find a way to catch me with a contract or at law. 
it, it, it will take the wind out of their sails, in my opinion. Guaranteed to work all times, every time, 100%. Nope, nothing's guaranteed. A lot of this stuff is developed. I suspect, you know, suspect this can be a valid strategy. I've used it myself a couple of times with apparent success. A lot of these things, they just don't, you know, whether it's true. something we want on the record. Uh, but you also have to be careful, too. Did he kill somebody? No. Let him go. Get, get him out. There, there are some things, for example, Sitting here talking like a, like an apparent wise man about the nature of Federal Reserve notes, the use of Federal Reserve notes, and whether they can get you equitable title, legal title, perfect title, and the rest of that. I could be wrong. Even if I'm right, you've got to be able to communicate these ideas in a way that the jury will listen to them and say, well, I get that. I've never heard right. that before. But, you know, the ways that – but if you come off like you're – you know – there are people who can try to make these arguments, and I may be one of them. Get in the court and try to make this argument to a jury, and they're going to look at you like you flipped your, you know. <laughs> somebody, somebody needs to give this guy his meds because he's just. So you, my point is, you got to kind of pick and choose. You might have a dozen different arguments that you could make in court, but maybe you should stick to the ones that the jury is able to understand. You know, and that's really good advice, and it's good advice whether you got a jury. A lot of really, like you said, some people just make things as complicated as they can, and that may, you know, seem like a good idea because, well, they're all lawyers and they're all this and they're all they also understand what you're doing. Go in there and say, look. They go, oh, my gosh. You know, this is something a jury would get. Yep. This is too simple. No, 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 no. Did he kill somebody? Get him out of here. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, there's more to all of this. If you're going to court, there's more to this than the law also a kind of politics involved. There's a kind of how are you a decent communicator? Can you communicate some of these ideas with confidence? Will people at least say, well, I think he believes what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Does that come across? Or are you sitting there kind of shaking like a leaf and you can't even pronounce Every fifth word is, but Al told me. Uh -huh. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It really doesn't work. I think, I think we're past the break again. Let's take some commercials and we'll come.
access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized news commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LMB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulphur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. document, 
years dealing with a pledge. I believe these pledges open the door for an implied trust relationship. You are pledging that you're going to obey the rules of the road. Rules of the road where? Probably in this state rather than within the state of Texas. Making a pledge. They're going to hold you liable on that pledge based on the presumption that there's a trust relationship between you and whoever issued that license and or enforces that license. So from my perspective, and again, you can take it all with a grain of salt, contracts aren't dangerous. They give you full disclosure. Trust doesn't have to give you full disclosure. They don't even have to be expressed. I at least have to say, if I want to get into a contractual relationship with Frank, I've got to at least say some words. Or better yet, I've got to write the words out and give full disclosure. If there's full disclosure, then we can say, okay, we've got a meeting of the minds and there's an agreement in a contract. The trust, I don't have to give full disclosure. Well, you know, you got, I don't have to say any words. you got a good point there because, I mean, some of these things that people consider, well, it must be contracts because I've heard that too. And, you know, yep. in, in some senses it makes, okay, yeah, that's a possibility. But then again, falls apart on, on on different levels because there's also a thing called an unconscionable contract. Yep. Now, to say, oh, okay, well, uh, you agree to uh, sign for this driver license, mm -hmm. which lets you drive a motor vehicle. Okay, great. And then you get pulled over and they go, oh, by the way, you know, that contract you signed also has all these other things you agreed to. Well, now, wait a minute. That is an unconscionable contract under any, you know, guise of, of what that you means. How sign it without having full disclosure? Sure, and that makes it unconscionable. You can't you do can't that do with that. a contract. Nope. You can do it with a trust. Sure, you can't do that with a contract, and that's the whole thing that kind of makes it kind of fall apart is that, well, now, wait a minute, you know, and then people, the argument I hear is, well, that's just because they're all corrupt and, you know, they – no, they're playing, they're playing this game in a very legalistic way, and it's not just a question of a bunch of crooks who are coming in and just beating you over the head to make you agree to whatever it is they want. They are essentially seducing us into apparently consenting, maybe not expressly, but apparently consenting to a system of law that winds up being you're caught in equity rather than in law. The judge can do whatever he wants to. And then you go, oh, my God, what happened here? I was, you know, a good guy, and there's that sort of thing, and I just lost my, you know, a year of my life. They can do that because they're in equity. It seems to me like they've gotten everybody, you know, to agree to become wards of the state. Yeah, that's right. Well, pretty much, pretty much that's what it comes down to. But if you can make, if you make that disclaimer, among other things, sure. I'm acting at arm's length. All of your signatures, at arm's length, at arm's length, at arm's length. And you can look this up for yourself in Black's Law Dictionary. You will either find at arm's length or you will find arm's length, depending on what edition of Black's you're looking for, and it will tell you. This is not a fiduciary relationship. It might implicate a contractual relationship, but definitely not a fiduciary relationship. Well, and that, that's they true. Get you on a, if they can't get you on a fiduciary relationship, they have to either come after you at law and say you have damaged someone. Damaged. Show me where I damaged. They're going to have to, they're have to produce either at law or go after you in a contract where they say, well, you signed this contract and you agreed to do such and such. 
Well, where's the contact? Show me. I mean, I think this system begins to fall apart if you can begin to understand trust relationships precisely because they can be implied. They are literally invisible. The average man has no idea of what a trust relationship is. They have no idea what a fiduciary relationship is. They don't know what the fiduciary is, the beneficiary is, the grantor is. They don't know what the res is. And yet, from my perspective, much, perhaps most of what passes for law in this country right now is based on the presumption that there's some sort of a fiduciary relationship between the defendant and the plaintiff. You can defeat that relationship, guess what? Deny all their presumptions uh, and make them prove everything. Mm-hmm. Nope, prove it. Nope, prove it. Nope. Exactly. You know, and again, how do you make them prove it? Well, by, uh, you know, uh, budding the presumption. No, not just by, well, yeah, maybe, but how do you make them prove it? In my opinion, the way I look at it is you take the witness stand or you at least deposit an affidavit where you have sworn of facts. Once they get you, once you're at the point where you're swearing that this is true and this is true and this is true, they have to accept that oath as a fact stated under oath, or they've got to produce a couple of witnesses who are prepared to get up there and say, <laughs> I swear, tell the whole truth, nothing about the truth, because everything he said is just what's true. who can make those statements. Because I just know, after looking at this, I've been trying to make sense of five years, I'm going to have a hard time finding somebody. I mean, it would be hard to afford an expert who's smart enough to come up there and put them on the witness stand. can be done. It's not as if they can't be beat. I'm not arguing that at all. The average man is not going to be able to... Uh, he's going to be an exceptional individual who can come up and make arguments to refute under oath what I have sworn to. Can't do that? Then what? They have a serious problem in their theory, their legal theory they're operating on. In my opinion, the existence of a fiduciary relationship between myself and the plaintiff, that theory collapses. Now what? Well, I'm now they have to take me to a court of law, and they perhaps need a contract or else they need damages in the sense of look Al broke it or yeah. and if the ideas are right, which I think they are too, I then any any experts it doesn't matter what experts you get. You know, because the truth is I don't the think truth. You can find them. You know, the truth I don't think you can even find them. I mean but is that just gonna require somebody to swear? If I swear yes, somebody's gotta swear no. And it may even be they need two witnesses to swear and overcome my yes. Well, and they're going to have to have some, okay, no, great. Oh, and you swear to that. Wonderful. Now, where's your evidence to back up your no? Yep. That's exactly right. You know, so they're not, not just, it's not just good enough to come and say, well, you know, I swear Alice more crap, you know. Well, no, okay, good. Show me where. You know, the, prove it. Yeah, I know. You know, and that, that's not going to, and, and plus a lot of these things, because at the bottom of the, you know, pile, at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of things, like you said, there's, you know, there's politics, there's all kinds of things that go on in court other than the law, and one overriding thing is business. Yeah. If you're if you're more trouble than you're worth, yep. you know, 
unless they really, really want him. Yeah, it's like, well, did he kill doesn't matter how much trouble you are, you can play nice. doesn't matter, we no. want you. You might as well be a real pain then, because if they really want you, it's it's a fight to the death, basically. That's, you know. Have you been following the Kent Hovind case? Uh, to the point where I think the last thing I heard that he he was uh, the prosecution was done with their yeah they've done and there's actually been a verdict in the case and they have found him guilty of contempt of court going back to a problem in 2007 or something like that. But the jury could not reach a decision on something like three other charges against him. So they wound up with a hung jury. And allegedly they're going to be, right now it's believed that the government's going to come back and go after him another time. And what's the point to all this? I don't know. If they really want you, that's the point. Well, if yeah. It's a political trial. If they really want you, look, they've got guns and clubs and the rest of that sort of thing. can throw you in a box and keep you there. Ruin your life. I mean, he was supposed to be out at, what, eight months ago, ten months ago yeah. already? Yeah. And yeah. he's still in jail waiting for more nonsense? Yeah. Waiting for a second trial. Yeah. So, you know, there's no, there's nobody who's got a strategy that you can just tell you, oh, this is guaranteed to work. Said it for years. Not even brown paper bags full of $100 bills that's handed to a judge. Even that won't work all the time. Although, (laughs) it's probably the most reliable defense you can master, but even that one won't work all the time. Well, you'll run into somebody who's got enough money or something. All right, I guess we're out of time, Frank. We are. We are out of time, aren't we? I want to thank you for co-hosting. I want to thank everyone for listening to the program. I know it was difficult. hope it made some sense. Just to start learning about trusts. They are central to much of what goes on in the legal system. I'm Alfred Addis. We'll be back next Tuesday. In the meantime, the good Lord lets you meet Frank and uh, anyone else who's listening, considering listening to him. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19.
same network, double the choices. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. Organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then...
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.